Welcome to the Catholic Podcast Collective. We are so happy that you are here with us. The goal of the uh, collective is just for Catholic podcasters to have a space to come together, to collaborate, but also for anyone to discover um, new Catholic content that they might be interested in, for us to be able to come together and have conversations. I just love this this idea of the collective, all of us coming together to help one another, to support one another, and to help us share and, and put our content out there. Um, so I'm really hopeful for us working together on our projects and, and supporting, and then ultimately um, just evangelizing and getting the good news of Christ out there and bringing people to Christ. everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I am a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've gotten to know over the past few years. He's a deacon at my parish. He's the director for the Office of Black Catholics here in Richmond, Virginia, and we're both on the RCIA team at our parish. It's Deacon Charles Williams. Hi, Deacon. Hello, Julia. Thanks for the invitation and the opportunity to talk about something I love to talk about, and that's the Bible. Oh, I i mean, you know, we both geek out about scripture, and I love it, and I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do enjoy this. <laughs> Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Let's see. I am Catholic. I was baptized Catholic and when I was 10 years old. I came through the first Catholic, the first Catholic church built for Black Catholics. It was built in 1885, and I'm a, a product of that of that Catholic church. And it was closed in uh, 1969 when they closed a whole series of uh, churches in the diocese that served the uh, African American Catholic community. But um, it, it was a great environment to grow up. It was, it was like I said, it was all black. And the teachers, um, the priests rather, were from the Josephite order. And their vocation was to serve the African-American community. Um, I'm a native Richmonder, lived here all my life. Only, only time I've left is to go away to college and to come back. And I did a little stint in the military and I left and came back pretty quick after that. So that's a little bit, well, I'm married. Mm -hmm. um, I have one grown son and a daughter-in-law and one great, great kid. That's my grandson. Awesome. Now, I'm curious, um, when you said it was, is it the first Black uh, Catholic church in the nation or just in the diocese? Just in the diocese. And some people say it was the first in the South, but that's debatable. Okay. Okay. That's debatable. <laughs> yeah, that's debatable. <clears throat> Well, I'm so I'm so glad because we both love scripture so much, and it's been awesome to to um, work with you over the past few years at our parish. I feel the same way. Um, you've picked a passage from Isaiah, so what I'm going to yes. have you do? Um, do you have uh, the passage in front of you by chance? I do. Um, what translation are you using, by the way? Can I ask? I am using the NAB Revised Edition, the Current Catholic Bible. 
cool. So what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you read the verse um, that you picked, and then I'm going to give a little background on it. So whenever okay. you're ready. I am reading from Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to answer the weary, a word that will be that will awaken them. Morning after morning, he wakens my ear to hear as disciples do. Awesome. So my translation's a little bit different. Uh, maybe you have the more current um, NAB because I also have the NAB. So mine says, the Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word mm -hmm. that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear. Um, sure. So I'm going to give a little bit of background. We've talked about Isaiah. I had a friend earlier um, in August uh, talk a little bit about, she picked a passage from chapter 43. Um, but okay. for those maybe who won't be familiar with Isaiah, he was a prophet in the 8th century BCE. He was a prophet at a time when Israel was divided um, from the northern tribes and also then the southern region of Judah. And his prophecies were trying to comfort people during this time. Also, he had messages of the coming Messiah, which this passage that you picked really connects to Jesus. And this whole section of Isaiah um, actually starts to introduce this idea of the servant of the Lord, um, which we understand to be Jesus. So Isaiah is foreshadowing um, the Savior and the Messiah, um, who we to, uh, believe to be Jesus. And in fact, in a couple of verses after the one that you've picked, it really gets into like, I think, prefiguring the crucifixion mm -hmm. where like in verse six, he's saying, my cheeks um, were torn out of my beard and my face I did not hide from insults and spitting. So um, this part of Isaiah really is starting to to point us towards Christ. Would you say that that's accurate? That is correctly. That is very accurate. <laughs> and, um, Thank you. <laughs> you know, all, all four of the servant songs, you know, point us towards Christ in some form or fashion. It's just we don't know whether the speaker is the nation that's speaking or the individual that's speaking. I think in this particular passage, it's the individual servant that's speaking. Okay, that's a good point. So yeah, my I read a little bit in my introduction to my my Bible and to the interaction introduction to Isaiah. Um, my Bible says that chapters forty through fifty five of Isaiah are generally attributed to an anonymous poet who prophesied yes. for the end of the Babylonian exile. And I've talked about the Babylonian exile on this podcast too. Um, okay. So. Yeah, so that's my understanding of who's yeah. speaking or writing. And, uh, and my understanding that, you know, chapter 50 is right in the middle of a uh, second Isaiah. Yes, the Deutero Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and this is just my personal belief, but I believe as Christ was growing up and reading the Hebrew scriptures, that he came upon these servant songs and kind of figured out, this is who I'm supposed to be in life. And this is is direction I'm supposed to take. I, I really believe he found himself in, in Isaiah. I remember you saying that one time at one of our, our nights when we were working um, you know, yeah. with our state candidates. I remember you saying that to me and I had never yeah. really thought of that before. And that absolutely mm -hmm. blows my mind to think, because he was a Jewish boy brought up with scriptures for him to read, read this and think and be like, Oh, this is me. Like, that's got to be so daunting. And I don't know, what can you say more about that? What do you think he would be feeling? Um, I think he knew there was something sp different about himself versus every other boy that was playing right. in the community at times. He, he had to feel something. Right. You know, even, you know, most human beings who are, are exceptional or special know at an early age that something's different about them than the rest of the people they associate with. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't see why Jesus, being fully human, wouldn't be any different. He had to notice something was unique about himself. He had to feel different than everybody else felt. And I think as he read, read through the scriptures, he said, oh, my goodness. Right. Maybe this is, maybe yeah. this is what's different about me. Oh, man. That's, it's, I, love, I love that attitude to have towards this. So what, what made you pick this passage? Oh, my God, Julia. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am I am totally living this passage right now. As of May the 25th of this year, my ministry out of the Office for Black Catholics changed tremendously. Okay. Uh, after Floyd died and after that woman, Amy Cooper, called the cops on this Black man, I have been requested by so many groups to address the issue of race and racism and white supremacy and, and all those things that go with that, that, that subject matter. I have spent the months in front of people talking about race. And, and I felt like I, I spent seven years of my life preparing for, for this moment. Um, I, I used to live in a, um, a religious co- community called Richmond Hill that mm-hmm. was founded by a priest by the name of Reverend Ben Cam- Campbell. He's an Episcopal priest. And what he was trying to do was establish a new monastery system. He wanted a monastery a monastic living style that it was men and women. Mm-hmm. It was different denominations and different faiths and different backgrounds. And he wanted to make this a beacon on the hill, so to speak, of mm-hmm. how people can live in community. So so, so when I joined this community, we, we would spend every Wednesday talking about the Old Testament because he believed the Old Testament was about building community. And the other thing I spent the seven years there doing was learn how to have conversations about race and learning about race relations in this country. I spent a good seven years just just preparing myself to be able to talk about race. I I, I did do that along the way, but not in the earnest and the and the continual on and on onslaught that I'm doing it now. It's unbelievable how many conversations I've had about race and um and it's well, all by request. I mean, that's good news, I think. I mean, it's it's certainly, I mean, we it's a very late, we've, we've come to it very late, you know? Um, yeah, I wish we would have had these conversations, you know, many, many, many years ago, obviously, and that we wouldn't have had to get to this point. But, um, but that yeah, is people good. Were, peoples and groups were having it, but just yeah. not at this just level. Just not at this level. Yeah. And not, you know, and not with the intentionality that they're having it. So I'm curious as to then, so you're, you said that like the Lord's been preparing you for this verse mm-hmm. and for this time, which is so beautiful. So how does this verse kind of relate to then your work with um, race relations? I'm the, I'm the well-trained tongue. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I, am, I am the diocese mouthpiece when it comes right. to race. I have, right. and, and nobody has said that, but I've been mm-hmm. put out there and nobody stopped me from doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and I like I love the next verse that follows that. So the Lord has mm-hmm. given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary. And so that Amen. second part certainly is true right now too. Like we are all weary, um, and I'm sure right. the African American community especially. Um, well, you know, it's 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 interesting you to say that. Ninety-nine percent of the people I talk to are white. Okay, so what do you make of that? This is white people waking up to the fact that they are yeah. responsible for the racism in this in this country. 
Mm-hmm. And they want to know what they can do about it. They want to know about the history of it, where it came from. How did I get like this? How did we get like this as a society? And I've been able, uh, hopefully, been able to shine some light on that and and give some suggestions on how to move forward. Even though they, they most people want a quick fix, and 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 you can't fix four hundred years. <laughs> yeah, four hundred years, and, and also, and also, all the laws have been fixed generally. But now it's about changing people's hearts and changing people's minds. And, and that's the tough work ahead. And people just don't want to wrap their heads around that because we're in a society now that wants instant gratification. And even when it yeah. comes to fixing evil, they want instant gratification. I know. And that's and that's got to be daunting then for you. So I'm glad that you feel prepared and that you've been prepared for this. Absolutely. Um, I like the part of this passage where it's like morning after morning. He opens my ear that I may hear. Because even though that work that you're doing is so daunting and I'm sure so exhausting, but so important, yeah. that second part of that verse gives me like the hope, but it's God that's opening your ears so that you can hear, so that you are given his word to then go speak to others. I don't know. And that is my constant prayer, Jude, that I am saying what he wants me to say. Right. You know, all I can all I can say is what I know. And hopefully what I know is in line with what he wants me to say. And, but And I trust that it is. I trust that he wouldn't have given me all those years of preparation for me to go out here and say the wrong thing. Um, as a teacher, I often, you know, kids ask crazy questions sometimes. And right. there's sometimes where I just have to say, like, I don't know that answer. I, I'll get Absolutely. back to you. Um, but I do find that there's certain moments where I, you know, say a quick prayer to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and I do find... Sometimes I have to stop and I'm like, okay, that was, that was pretty good. And that must've been the Holy spirit. Right. That wasn't me. So do you find Absolutely. that you have those I, moments I, as well? Know, I, I read somewhere about, you know, in, in looking at the servant songs, I read somewhere that the servant songs portrayed the fortunes and qualities of a servant leader called and commissioned by God. And I have, and since my ordination day, I have had to work at accepting the fact that I may be one of those servant leaders. Mm. that God has called me for for something other than what I had been doing all the other years of my life. And uh, and I constantly fight, okay, and I constantly fight uh, feeling unworthy and unqualified to be a servant leader. I, I fight that every day. Every morning when I get up, I have to say, okay, God, I know you want me to do this, but I really don't want to do this today. Right. And, and please give me what you got so, so I can get through this day and do what you want me to do. But I constantly rail against the fact that he's called me to be a leader because it's just, I just don't feel like I'm qualified or worthy of that of that opportunity. So then this verse really is very comforting then to, to under, I mean, I would, I would think so anyways, I don't want to put words mm-hmm. in your mouth, but to, right. to know that you're speaking to the, we- the weary and that yes. at morning after morning, he is Absolutely. rousing you and giving that word. So he, he does. He gives me, you know, I, I I got my daily routine of reading, you know, Richard Rohr and mm. or, or Robert Barron. Those are two people I read every morning, along mm-hmm. with doing my office prayers. And somehow after that 15 minutes, I, I'm ready to go. That's good. That is good news. I'm ready to go. And sometimes I get a new message and sometimes it's just, okay, I got the energy to do what I got to do. But right. like tomorrow morning, I, I go down to um, St. Joseph's in Petersburg, and I've never talked to middle school kids before, so this is going to be a first. Is that tomorrow? Yeah. 
<laughs> do you want some tips on how to talk to <laughs> middle school kids? You'll do great. Um, I mean, honestly, I like I love teaching middle school and high school students. The older mm-hmm. kids, I wouldn't know what to do with with little kids, but um, like they, I, I mean, yeah, no, they're it's such a great age. They really want to learn. I love. Right. I love the middle school because they're still kids and they want to please you and they want, and a lot of them, they haven't heard these things that you're probably going to be talking about. I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised at like, you know, how much they have heard in the news and what their parents have told them. Um, they'll be, I'm sure they'll be open to what you have to say though. I'm sure of it. And and, and I'm trying to tell, I'm going to tell some stories about some courageous African-American young people close to their age. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, what else would you like to say about this passage or your experience? Or maybe I'm curious to hear a little bit about um, when you go into these communities that have requested you to speak, uh, what are some of the messages or advice that you that you can give them? Well, first thing I do is tell them they, they can look in the mirror. <laughs> that's that that's enough has, right there. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody has, has uh, their, their biases and their prejudices and their bigotries. We all have them. You know, and it may, it may not necessarily be race. You know, you might not like short people, you know, but everybody has some kind of uh, bias or mm-hmm. or bigotry or prejudice in them. And what you have to do is be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and say, OK, when these feelings come up, I have to do what I can to suppress them or ignore them and not give in to them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't buy into the stereotypes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing I tell them to do is... um when they're in a, and this is the hardest thing to do really, is when you're among your peers or among other people and you hear a racial slur or a derogatory mm-hmm. remark about a, a group of people, you have to take responsibility and say, no, that is not right. 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 You are wrong. Even if it's your mother, your father, your brother, mm-hmm. you have to have the courage to say that is wrong. And I find that that's where people have the hardest time. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to say, well, that's just Joe. He's, he's like that. No, he's not just like that. He's he, he's learned to be like that. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell him that. And, and the third thing I tell him to do is uh, learn something about the history of this country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learn the truth about the history of this country. Yeah, you um, took us on, and, and I think this was part of your training. You, you had mentioned this was something that I think you did when you were at Richmond Hill. Um, the slave yes. trail walk that we did a couple yes. years ago, even before all and of I, this, you know, that absolutely. was something that, that we did and you had been doing. And um, I'm not from Richmond. I'm from yeah. Ohio, which, um, you know, has its own things. But it, it yeah. being taught all these things, we were taught it, but it from a different angle. And to be, like, rooted here, like, and see how it really is all right. around us right. was very um, have, eye-opening. And I have done five of them since, since really? May. And I'm getting ready to do another one in November. People are requesting it. That's great. I mean, I think that's good that people are educating themselves about, you know, this yeah the history, as you said, um, do you, do you find that the, the tone is different right now or the mood is different now? People are ready to listen. People people actually want to hear what I got to say and they, and they pay attention and they ask really good questions. That's great. That's very heartening. You know, I feel like it's easy to get discouraged. Um, I, I mean, I get discouraged and frustrated. Um, something that you said earlier, made me think we have to speak up and say something, something that I struggle with is I hear a lot of people um, like saying negative things about the protests that are happening. Yeah, And I always, I find it very hard in those moments. I do kind of want to, you know, to, to say, well, it's not, 
you know, I just don't know what to say, I guess, in those moments. Yeah. I do know well, intellectually time, what to say, but what to say in that moment, never. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so and Most of the time when, when people do that, they, they, they are skirting the issue. They don't want to deal with the real issue. Mm-hmm. So they find some other half truth mm-hmm. to, to, to rail on because they don't want to deal with it and have the hard conversation about the real issue. It's what yeah, I find most of the time. And it's so hard in those moments because I found, I find actually, you know, I was standing in line to go to church one day and people were commenting on, oh, isn't that terrible? And, um, and the, you know, looking around at the spray paint and things. And, um, and I've heard, I've heard other Catholics and even priests like say that the protests are this and that and crazy and whatever. But, and and I I do, I don't know what to do in those moments. And you're right. It's, it's so much a deeper issue. It so is. where do and I you, start? Like, how, how would I start to, to explain it to someone? And, and, you have to ask, and you have to ask the people that ask that question, well, why do you think there's thousands of people in the street? Are they yeah. all in the street just to destroy property? Right. And, and why now? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you think so negative about why, why are these people protesting? They're just all bad people. I mean, they have no reason to be out here other than they want to destroy. That doesn't right. make That's- any sense. No. And I also just think too, like, how angry do people get when they have to like wait in line for something or how angry do people have to get when they have to wear a mask to go somewhere? And like, and then this is, you know, these, these protests are reaction to 400 years of of oppression and to brutality and, and just so many, so many layers. Right. Um, so I, maybe I could, maybe I could find myself in those moments saying like, well, do you get angry when you're, when you've been like, right wronged you know and how do you react yeah. and what if you got yeah. wronged for like that for right. centuries right. <laughs> you know and you Go know ahead. that's that that's usually how i try to address it and I, I try to turn it back on them and say you know i try to ask them the question why do you think that's happening okay if you, if mm-hmm. you think all they're about is looting why do you think they're out there looting well that's the thing too i mean even that imagine having and i've heard I'm, I'm paraphrasing i've heard other people speak to this that like imagine being that like being so oppressed for so long that or desperate mm-hmm. that you feel like you have right. to take that opportunity right. to steal. Like there's something deeper than that. It's not just for the sake right. of stealing. It's because I am taking something that you won't allow me to have. Right. So I'm going to have to take it. Right. And just having that mentality, we've, we've fostered that mentality. We've kept That's people right. down for so long that they feel like the only way they can get something is to it's like, is to steal it. Yeah. yeah. And so and the only way you can, and the only way I can get you to hear me yeah. is to take something you value. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's okay, good. Well, this is good. <laughs> this yeah. gives me some, some talking way. points the next time someone's just like, oh, these crazy protests, you know, yeah. I can say. And, and the difference this time around is that over half the people in the street are white who can afford these things in the store. Mm-hmm. The demographics so, of the protests now are entirely different than any, in, any point in our history. So what do you make of that, if you wouldn't mind speaking to it? I know it's probably a whole, whole thing. Um, but... Well, part of it, you know, part of it is a, a, of um, a collision of incidents. You know, we had the pandemic. Right. Everybody's sitting at home. Right. Everybody's looking at TV. And everybody saw that man uh, on the ground with, with that knee on his neck. Right. And it, it just shocked the world. Mm-hmm. You know, most of those people would have been out at work or at school. And it was just something they would have saw on a news flash. Right. But this time, everybody was watching. Mm-hmm. That's entirely different. And that hit a nerve. That that just struck people 
to be unconscionable. Why can we, how can we treat somebody like that? So it was a perfect storm, so to speak. So now everybody had the opportunity to get out in the street and say something. Yeah, I think, and yeah, being at home um, yeah. and having the time off, and, like from work, like working from home, I know that absolutely. I, it was the summer, so I was off, you know, not, I wasn't teaching. So I was able to go mm-hmm. to like something at noon where I normally wouldn't be able to go down and absolutely. to the Capitol at, at 12 mm-hmm. PM, you know, if I was working. So. Um, and so that means everybody was engaged in the conversation at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everything, yeah. everything happened, it happened at the same time. And, and one thing just led to the other. And I, I, I have to be hopeful. All these podcasts, um, I, people have picked passages that have been pretty hopeful. And we talk about this time of 2020 and, and uh, the racial injustice and COVID. Right. And um, it has kind of been like this perfect storm. And so it has been. We have we have to hope though that because we are having this disruption and we're having these conversations, um, I don't know. Are you hopeful that? Oh, absolutely. Gonna... I mean, okay, God okay. Has <laughs> us, God has given us the gift of hope, just with situations like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to trust that God's going to do what He says He's going to do, mm-hmm. and that's what gives me hope in a situation like this. No matter how dark it is, God says He's going to win, so I believe He's going to win. Um, you had said something earlier back at the beginning when you were talking about being prepared and uh, the training at Richmond Hill. I think that one of your professors or friends had said something about the Old Testament. Can you say what yes. he said again about the Old Testament? Oh, he what talked he... about, he t- you know, he came back from a vacation and, and and we were doing Bible study every Wednesday, but we were just using the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And he came back and said, we are, as a, and, and, and he was, he's the leader of the community. And he came back and said, we're going to start studying the Old Testament, because really what the Old Testament is about is building community. And that's what we're trying to do at Richmond Hill. You know, we, we, you know it, it's about the people wandering through the desert for 40 right. years, getting themselves ready to go into the promised land, to live with other people and to show other people how to live. That's what they oh. were doing in the desert. Right. Yeah. And they weren't doing it well. <laughs> no, they weren't doing it well. No, they weren't doing it. That's, that's why they had to stay out there so long. Right. <laughs> because they weren't doing it well. And then when they got to the promised land, they forgot what they had learned in the desert. So they had to learn it again and have all the judges. They had to learn it again all over yeah. and over. And we're still doing the same thing. I know. When I teach, I mean, I, I teach. Figure that out. I teach scripture in Old Testament and we, we start at Genesis, which is really hard because Genesis has tons yeah. of figurative language. Yeah. Um, and, but for, when it, today we did Abraham and Isaac and mm-hmm. just, it's amazing when they see the parallels between that story and Jesus, when you tell them like, cause the story doesn't make sense. If you're just thinking about a father right. almost sacrificing his son, like that's, it's disturbing, especially for sixth yes. graders who don't understand yeah, the culture or anything. Um, but then I say, but, can you think of someone else who was a son who willingly was going to allow himself to be sacrificed by his father? And you see the light bulb go on. And then I kind of pick up from there that like all of the old Testament and what you picked with here with Isaiah too, Isaiah yeah. also, we're, we're all pointing, it all leads us to Christ, right? right. All of these but, stories. You know, but that, uh, um, that story about Isaac, um, when, when I talked to adults about it, I said, another thing that's being told in that is that, you know, during that time, they were sacrificing children. Yeah. And God was sending a sign that I don't want you all to keep doing this. Right. Right. That's I something that, that, part of, that that's part of what he's talking about there is, you know, you got to stop this. Yes. And that and we have a God and I've said this a couple of times in the podcast, too, that like 
it's not about the external sacrifices right. like that very much was about the ancient cultures at the time and even the jewish cultures right. was a lot about the rituals and even the catholics today we like our rituals and it's not necessarily all about the external but it's about your internal character yeah. and intention Absolutely. and sacrifices yeah um, you know I, I, I constantly tell myself if i wasn't catholic i'd probably be jewish right why can you speak yeah. to that why why would you say that i think i get it but why um, you know, they were the first people to say yes to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they were in a world where, you know, multiple gods was the way to live your life. And they were brave enough and bold enough to say, okay, God, I hear you. And I'm going to believe in this one God. And I'm going to take that chance and, and say, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then they started to follow him. And I, 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 I just think that takes a lot. That took a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of courage for the Israelites to say, "Okay, I'm on." Everybody else in in the world is believing in multiple gods, but I'm gonna just decide to believe in this one God, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna roll with it. Yeah, <laughs> and and again, they didn't do it perfectly at first. You know, they definitely no, they had to not. struggle with they it. They were not. tempted a lot. Um, yeah, but their faithfulness. I mean, yes, that is it's beautiful. So I, I, mean, I agree you know, with they, you. They 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 said yes. Mm-hmm. They said yes. They were the first to say yes to, to God. And you were saying yes by, I mean, your um, vocation as a deacon, as your call Absolutely. to evangelize to, to to whites yeah. and blacks and Catholics and non-Catholics and yeah. um, and with your well-trained yeah, tongue. My life has been a, <laughs> my life has been a series of yes over the last oh God, fifteen years. I can. You know, I I can pretty much tell you the time and date that I decided to say yes and have never looked back. Oh, that's beautiful. And we're so glad. I'm so glad that you said yes. And I think our listeners, too, probably. I mean, I'm sure that they've we could talk forever. We could talk about there's so much more. um, But I'm I'm really I think it gave us a lot of of food for thought here. Is there anyone? Well, I I hope I've had something to say. And I I tell you, I, I love this opportunity to talk about scripture. I hope you keep doing what you're doing. Because this gives a lot of us nerds a chance to <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally talk about stuff that uh, you know we don't need to talk about, and to hear different people's perspectives. You know, and one thing about being at Richmond Hill when we when we had Bible study, it was all different denominations sitting at the mm-hmm. table, mm-hmm. and so we had to talk about it in the sense of okay, what does this mean to us as a community? Not as a Catholic, not as an Episcopalian, not as a Baptist. But as building our community, what you know, what is this telling us about how to live together? And absolutely, I, and, and I think that's 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 what the Old Testament was was about. And people should spend a lot more time in it than we, than we do. I agree. I mean, it is tough to to understand, but if you have these conversations like we're having, if you have the historical yeah. perspective right. and context, I think you're absolutely right. And I think. Um, I like how you said it's not just about the denomination and the background. It is about community. And that's that what you're talking yeah. about with Black Lives Matter. And every, I mean, we're trying to take these it, messages into to, the community. Know, it, 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 yeah, we, we, we're trying to learn how to live together. Right. And we've been and doing that, it for a long time. We're still learning. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we're slow learners. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Deacon, thank you so much for uh, oh, for geez, taking your time. You I know you're me. so... We'll have to do it again. We'll have to pick another verse and and do it again. Um, sure, you know this. You know, you know when when people ask me to talk about scripture, my first place to go is to see if something in the servant songs is, is speaking to me today. And that 
And I and I saw that verse and I said, oh my God, that is what I am living today. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, I know Isaiah is not usually my first go-to, but more and more yeah. he's been popping up. And I think it's probably because yeah. of this well, time know, that we're in right now. Yeah, my most yeah. favorite verse is in Romans, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. That, that is my go-to verse about being transformed out of this world and, and have your mind to be transformed. Yeah, I know. I will have to do that one. I love, oh, I'll my, have to have you back oh. and do... <laughs> We can nerd out about that. that, that too. Is, that is that is the verse that carries me. I, I love that whole chapter. Right, but the I do first, too. First two verses that I mean that that's that's what God wants us to do. Not see the world as the world sees itself, but as God sees it. Amen. Yeah. Romans twelve. Look it up, y'all, and also Isaiah's <laughs> servant songs. And yeah. um, if you guys want to talk scripture with me, you are welcome to find me on Instagram. Um, my social media is Seven Mile Chats on Instagram, and then you can find me on Twitter at Miss Struckley One. Um, if you want to ch- talk scripture with me, and I will definitely have to have Deacon back to talk Romans or something else next time. But thank you so much, Deacon, for for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, Julia, for, for inviting me. It's It's been a joy. I, I could do this all night. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it again <laughs> soon. Bye, everyone.